raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Welcome back, folks, to the Wes and Walker Show from the Speedway Club restaurant here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. We're living a bougie life, if only for three hours, as we look out and see the beautiful track. The teams are working. It is hustling and bustling down there on the track, let me tell you. So, Do you think it's a coincidence that the people eating lunch left right after fire fizzle? Yeah, I think that they were just, you know, it was too hot <laughs> for them in here. The kitchen got too hot, you know what I'm saying? It was all fire. It was all fire. No doubt about it. Well, Walker, we have a lot of sponsors to thank here on the Wesson Walker Show. And to do so, you know, one of the big things about NASCAR is the post-race interviews. Uh, guys say sponsors, and a lot of sponsors have about six or seven words in it, and they have to say <laughs> it every five minutes. And so you get guys being like, hey, I want to thank the Hungry Jack uh, Buttery Texas Biscuits Over Gravy 500 today uh, for sponsoring a 43 that car for good. me. And they have to say it every single time they talk about their car. And so now I feel like we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to do an interview style like okay. we are. Post-race, you just won the Roval 400. Oh, sweet. I can't wait. Yeah, so you got the big check waiting. You can't wait to get away from me so you can go spend the check. But uh, we're going to do that type of interview. And, so. and make sure, by the way, you have to ask a question that has nothing to do with sponsorships. You have yeah. to ask me something. It doesn't matter. i got to get the sponsorships in. If I have to break the door down and get them in, that's how it's got to roll. <laughs> All right, so you could say <laughs> Walker Mail, winner of the Roval 400 here at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. I am Wes Bryant here with Racing for Chips TV. <laughs> and uh, we want to ask Walker, post-race Walker, we saw your wife and kids come down and congratulate you. Uh, how excited were you to see them and how excited are you for this win? Well, with all due respect to my family, forget them right now, Wes. I do want to thank my sponsors, Rocky Roval Ice Cream. We're about to eat some of that ice cream in just a moment. That's courtesy of uh, Ellie Mays. Dang good ice cream in Davidson. A new creamy creation made with cheesecake ice cream, Oreo crumbles, cookie dough, and natural blue food coloring so your mouth won't turn blue. Also, I just want to thank real quickly Roval Rumble Beer. It's courtesy of Cabarrus Brewing. The craft beer is hell-style German wheat beer, and it's hell-sweet, I might add. I'm not done. Real quickly, if you don't mind, again, I, you know, lots of love my family, but whatever, they can wait for this for a little bit longer. Uh, we do have that Roval Rumble beer available all weekend long on draft at Cabarrus and on property via cans. You can also get tickets to the Roval Rumble this weekend, even if I just won. We can also sell those tickets again, charlottemotorspeedway.com. Kids, just $10 on Sunday. Adult tickets start at $40. Just one more. Race so good, you got to see it twice. 100%. Yep, I'm going to be on there once again, and I'm going to win. That's what I do, okay? <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last, and I'm out here winning the Roval 400 so many times. I'll win the Roval 800 if there was such a thing. You forgot to throw your number in your car in there, though. You had to throw one of the sponsors. Well, you, it's number one. It's yeah. number one. Yeah. Thank, big thanks to the number one car. You know, I appreciate <laughs> the number one car and my team for uh, everything they've done and supporting me. Yeah, man, that's crazy, man, how those guys, <laughs> they get up there and they just drop it every chance. And like you said, sometimes they throw it in there when they don't have to. Well, we got to ask, because, you know, big shout to Schraub, who really helped us out for the first two hours. But now we got the NASCAR guy. The guy's nickname is Smoke, for God's sake, okay? <laughs> so, Smoke, did I do a decent enough job acting like a NASCAR driver thanking my sponsors? 
I think you did a decent enough job. I think I can uh, show you how to get some tips and pointers to be better. So uh, let's start that over and let me do it. Oh, please. All right. Okay. Yeah, so hit, hit him, Wes. Hit him with the question. Please do show me how it's done. All right. I'm here with uh, Evan Smoke Ludwig <laughs> on Racing Chips TV, and uh, he just finished second in the Rover 400 to <laughs> Damn right he did. Uh, so we wanted to ask you, uh, Smoke, so uh, we I saw that him. you uh, hurt your foot tripping over the jack uh, coming in mm -hmm. as you complained to your team how you didn't get the victory so tell us what happened out there yeah well uh wes you know uh, the car was the, the car was really good today the country time lemonade car was really good had to make some adjustments <laughs> early on in the race had to get a wedge adjustment you know unfortunately we had a tire situation that was pretty slow on a pit stop and uh that unfortunately put us behind the eight ball but luckily we were able to uh, use some strategy to our advantage in that lemonade uh you know, Pontiac Grand Prix, and fortunately for us, we were able to get a good point stay from it. Didn't get the win, but a, a top five finish can't complain too much. But, you know, we're going to have to get wins if we want to win this championship, Walker. All right, and we saw you look pretty serious. You did not slap anybody in the pit because we did see the hand raise. Was there a slap issue? <laughs> and I was wanting to slap my own ass for me and being an idiot, but, you know, that is how it is. You know, if you're not first, you're last. And uh, as the saying goes, uh, Wes, uh, you know, uh, second sucks. <laughs> He still got to force. He had to force. He he. Smoke. I got a docky right there though, because you still had to find a way to force in the sponsored car right there. You said I would have slapped them, but then I took a look at the Country Time Lemonade One car, and I decided not. To. Uh, it was a great sponsor choice to go with the Country Time Lemonade. Yes. I love the sponsor choice, but also I, I love him going just a little bit more mild mannered Don Lagreca with smacking my own ass. That's yeah. what he said. Well, Lagreca is telling you aggressively to boo Evan Neal's ass. Ludwig is telling you. I'm just going to smack my own ass. And I listen, love all of listen, it. we could have almost done a fire fizzle on NASCAR games and racing games in and of itself. When mm. Kenny brought up Gran Turismo, uh, that was one of the games that almost made me break my PlayStation because it was one of the hardest games I've ever played. I couldn't even get licenses to start the game. So, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Colin the licenses were so right difficult to get. My mom got it one time free from the radio station. I didn't buy it. I got the game for free. The game was awesome. It looked great, but it was so hard to get the licenses. Um, the only racing game I had, was it Need for Speed? No, it was Midnight Club. I had Midnight oh, okay. Club. That's like Tokyo Drift type stuff. Dub edition. No, it was yeah. not NASCAR, but it had the dub edition. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. And then the only NASCAR game I had, I had the, I had the Dirt to Daytona. But I was awful at that game. Is it just me? Was Dirt to Daytona really hard? Was it just yes. the normal? Okay, thank you. Thank you, Smoke. Because <laughs> as a kid, I like every time I tried, I had no clue what I was doing out there on the track. Yeah, I mean, but there were there was some great games, especially when he brought up Bill Elliott. I remember my cousins back in the day, they had a Nintendo. They had Bill Elliott Racing, which was, uh, I believe, racing in the trucks, if I'm not mistaken. But then NASCAR also had some fire EA Sports games. Yeah, unfortunately, the NASCAR games over the last uh, 15 years have sucked. Do you play them at all? Still? I haven't played them in a while, but uh, I did see some good news earlier today. Uh, you know, back when Kenny Wallace was mentioning iRacing, iRacing apparently is uh, now going to go with NASCAR and make their own video game type sit uh, sit they situation. They should. And uh, I think that is great news because the NASCAR video games over the last 15 years have been awful. Like the last good NASCAR video game came out in 2005, 2006. 
Yeah, that that's a sense. long time. That makes sense to me too because they've had they had a simulator in Concord Mills for a little bit, and I let Bryce get in there and uh, drive around on it. Man, those are pretty good. So if they do make a NASCAR game out of that, I think that's going to be pretty dope. I mean, I I can't tell you how bad I was at those games. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard. Even if Smoke is telling us that those games were hard, I mean, I I made it look much harder than what it actually was. There was another game too. Was it like Talladega? I'm not thinking of Talladega Nights, but like um, something with Talladega uh, in it. I I feel like Bobby Labonte's car was on the front. I'm not sure if I'm mistaken or not. Uh, the the extent of my knowledge of NASCAR games aren't great, but I'm they trying to remember They had a Richard Petty's Talladega. Okay. I see that right now. So we got some text coming in here, too. 704 wrote in, EA Sports Andretti racing in the 90s for PlayStation 1. Andretti. That was straight fire. So, yes, we had a couple of those. And so, uh, you know, that was uh, that's one. Cowboy Squirt talking a little bit about some of the video games they had out there. So pretty cool, though, this, the, the news that Smoke was giving us as far as uh, NASCAR. Well, yeah, we're coming answer. right up on Michael Walter. But uh, the NASCAR, the NASCAR games are great. But to talk more about NASCAR and what's going to happen this weekend at the Roval 400. We have a two-time Daytona 500 champion, uh, NASCAR Cup Series driver, team owner, also an analyst for Fox's NASCAR coverage on the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and NASCAR uh, Truck Series as well. This guy's got one of the biggest personalities that you will ever find. I used to bump into this guy a lot when I was working at Fox. So let's bring on Michael Waltrip on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Michael, how you doing on this Friday? Oh, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. It's home game for most of these teams. A lot of energy and excitement going on around the Roval, and I'm looking forward to every lap of it. All right, Michael, so tell us about it uh, from an ex-driver's perspective. How difficult is it to go from an oval track to jumping on this road course? It's uh, these guys, the level of talent, they're the elite uh, racers in America. And it's, it's really some of them will do better than others, just like on a on a circle track. But uh, all of them think that they got a chance to go out there and do something special. And like I said, you know, it's, it's a home game. And that means a lot, too. That means the men and women that build the cars and work on them and set them up, they're able to come out to the track and watch their body of work go uh, go around that roval. So a lot of fun things going on this weekend. And um you know, it's just—it's really hard. I've been listening and looking uh, at stats and trying to pick my favorite. It's really hard to do so. When we came along with the with the new car, the next gen, it seemed to change the game a little bit. You know, guys run better in the old car and some better in the new. So um, I'm gonna be sitting there uh, wondering who the favorite should be. Watch a little practice and qualifying, see how it goes, and I'm ready to ready for these cats to go racing. Yeah, and so when you talk about the favorite for this track, when you talk about odds, it's Chase Elliott. And so I asked Kenny Wallace earlier, I said that you have some drivers that come in and they're great on the road, and some guys are great on the oval, but Chase Elliott is a guy that can do a little bit of both. So uh, tell us about what makes him such a special driver and how he's able to adapt no matter what and also why he's been so good on this course. I remember racing a light model race up at Richmond probably 10 years ago, and Chase Elliott looked like he was 12. He might have been 16, but uh, I think I ran second, and, and he ran third. And, and I'm like, wow, those kids are pretty good at this game. And um, he's just been special since he showed up. He just gets it done on all types of different racetracks. Just a big, big fan favorite. But I think the coolest thing is that, that he – 
you know, he's able just to focus on his game wherever you're going. And I remember as a driver, when I would come to a road course, it was different, you know, and I would approach it differently. And I, I would look forward to the challenge and the opportunity. And I think that's how you have to be mentally if you're going to be successful. You can't worry so much about um, stats. Maybe your history doesn't look great at a place. you got to focus on the positive. Like, why did I run 13th? Was there moments when I could have run third? How did I fix what I did last time? And the team, I think that's what people don't understand as much, uh, and, and it's so much different now for me, but there's so much data and analytics these drivers can lean on, and they, they obviously are going to watch replays of the race. It's like watching game film for a football player. These guys lean on that data. They lean on the film, the history, and then they just try to improve. And Chase Elliott, has just his body of work from day one has just been impressive, especially on the road racing. We know how good he's been there, so... He'll be he'll be on my short list of favorites, and I think um, I think I'm going to make my favorite Denny Hamlin. He just seems to be stepping up this time of year. I think Denny's probably going to be a guy you're going to have to beat if you're going to win the race uh, on Sunday. That is the voice of Michael Waltrip joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Michael, I did want to get your thoughts on if you're a fan of stage cautions returning to road course races uh, starting this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, you know I think they're necessary to, to break things up and also to get the strategy to play out uh, for some of these guys. You're going to see playoff drivers trying to get stage points, guys that are outside the playoffs foregoing those and trying to get track position through the stage breaks, and the caution flag certainly will enhance every bit of that. Um, obviously, NASCAR's concern was running all the laps under caution for those two breaks. So uh, if, if they could tighten that up a little bit, maybe there's a way they can run one less lap or, or two uh, at the stage breaks, I'd like I'd be a fan of that or for that, but um, I think it just really, really helps this thing get even more interesting when you uh, couple the differing strategies that these teams are going to have to deploy in order to try to get a victory here at Charlotte. Michael, you talked about your confidence in Denny Hamlin. I didn't want to know what playoff drivers below the cut line also has the best chance of winning on Sunday. You know, it's it's. It's so interesting seeing who's going to do what with strategy. So, um, you know, there's guys that are just just below the cut line. You got to feel pretty confident about. You know, uh, Truex is, is in a good spot, but he's struggled lately. Uh, Kyle Busch is going to need to have a pretty good day in order to think that uh, he's secure. So, uh, I mean, you can almost just pick someone and say, "That's my guy," or "He's in trouble. He better win," and um, just have your have your point standings uh, written down for yourself and look look at where they're running as the stage breaks come and see what drivers are really serious about getting those points and what's point, which ones are going to try to parlay strategy into getting the victory at the end. All right, Michael. Well, on my way in today, had to ask. I saw it, looked over, and thought I would see the old Hot Shots uh, restaurant that was here in Concord by Concord Mills Mall. But no, I see the Michael Waltrip Tap Room that is now open there. So that was definitely a nice little surprise to the day. So tell us uh, about the new place that you got. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, like you said, the old Hot Shots is right, uh, right up the street from Hooters. And right across from Hendrick Automotive, uh, we've got a wonderful tap room, uh, great cheeseburgers, great food. I highly recommend you get uh, the buffalo chicken flatbread. It's crazy good. We have our beers, our signature beers. We have the Talladega Light. We have the uh, Bristol Sunshine. And then have several other beers that, um, that are just on tap. 
there at the restaurant. Um, plus, a full bar, full, full menu, a lot of fun times. We say come for the food and stay for the experience because I've always had a great experience there, and I think the fans are loving it as well. Welcome, everybody, to Charlotte for the Roval races, and hopefully you can swing by my little bar there and have a beer. Yeah, that's, that's the tap room, by the way, by Michael Waltrip. And, of course, we see the nostalgic, the iconic blue and yellow paint scheme. The menu color scheme is there. We've been talking about it all day, Michael. Real quickly before we get you out of here, what was your, besides your own, was there a favorite paint scheme that you saw um, in your days driving on the circuit? Is there one that really sticks out to you? Well, you said I couldn't pick mine, but the Napa, Napa number 15 <laughs> was, was my favorite. Uh but, you know, I was really blessed. I got to run against my brother when he drove the tide ride, and that yeah. was a really colorful, bright car. And when, when Dale went from, from blue and yellow to black, uh, the number three, that, that, those are memories that I cherish. I have a part of the King's car from his last race in 92 in my garage uh, signed by Richard Petty. So the, the Petty blue and fluorescent orange colors that he had on that 43 car. I'm, I'm old, guys, so... All those old cars just really, really make me happy when I think about the times I shared the top with those guys. No doubt about it, man. And all the paint schemes, very, very uh, classic material. So, Michael Walter, we thank you for your time. You can catch him on Twitter at MW55. Go out there to Michael Walchup Tap Room here in Concord as you get ready to come over to see the Rover 400 and all the other races. Michael, we appreciate the time. Well, we appreciate you guys covering the races, and I'm looking forward to a great weekend weather-wise, competition-wise. Everything's going to be just over the top at Charlotte this weekend. All right, man. Well, we'll see you down the road, and we appreciate it as always. Uh, that was Michael Walchup joining us, and we are up against it. We're going to go to break, but when we come back, is the NFC South coming back to earth after the first two weeks of the season? That and a whole lot more on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Yes, uh, give me that cup of ice cream. <laughs> Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I think if we were to come up with a NASCAR paint job, it would be a sagebrush paint job. <laughs> that Sage little cowboy brush. hat zooming around the track. We got it, Wes. That's it. I think that would be it. I, in fact, I just saw the vision of us being a NASCAR team together. With that being our walk-up song, we talked about it at the Hauler Parade because these guys are about to have their own walk-up songs. So we have that. We have a little run the jewels in the background. We pop open. Maybe the, maybe the cowboy hat. 
like maybe that the character, the little cowboy, is right there on the door. We swing it open. We get out slow motion, and we get ready to shake and bake, as Talladega Nights likes to do. I like that, and I could be your crew chief like uh, Michael Clark Duncan was. <laughs> and uh, why, oh, Wait, why are you Michael Clark Duncan? Is there a reason? Well, I mean, I went with a low-hanging fruit. <laughs> black crew chief, I'd be the black crew chief, know. and there's not a lot of them. You were about uh, so to. I'll take that. Okay, there you go. Don't you put that on me, Walker. <laughs> Don't you that's put right. that on me. That's right. It's Wes and Walker Stab Sports right Radio. <laughs> don't do that. Please don't do that. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Having a grand old time, man. I knew we were about to have fun. I did not realize we were about to get Royal Rumble beer, which is courtesy of Cabarrus Yeah, Brewing. we've been showered with gifts. I mean, it is ridiculous here at the Speedway Club. And uh, I broke my not eating rule on air. And uh, You I'm, have. I've been I'm, grubbing a day. Well, I'm struggling. A little bit, because uh, <laughs> we just got Ricky Roval ice cream, okay? And it's fantastic. It's courtesy of Ellie Mae's Dang Good Ice Cream in Davidson. It's a new creamy creation made with cheesecake ice cream, Oreo crumbles, and cookie dough with natural blue food coloring so your mouth will not turn blue. They thought of everything. I'd have been okay if I walked out here with my mouth looking like a Smurf, but it doesn't matter. It's not going to happen because they thought about having this be all natural to the point where my mouth is not going to be dyed blue, Wes. And the taste, they did not compromise on taste Listen, whatsoever. I did not expect that to be so good. I mean, we, we sit there and you look at it, and it looks great. Don't get me wrong. And I got it, and I was like, you know, it's ice cream. It's going to be good uh, pretty much regardless. And then I took that first scoop, and I was like, wow. Okay, and I'm not just saying that because they gave it to us or because we're on the radio. Because if I didn't like it, I wouldn't say anything at all. We'd move on to the topic. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this, is, this is dang good ice cream for sure. Ellie Mae, I, look. If you were allowed to put curse words right there where Dang is, then that might need to be what the name of this uh, brand of ice cream should be. It's Ellie Mae's Bleeping Good Ice Cream here at Jack's Treat Truck. This weekend only, though, make sure you try it because you won't want to miss it. I'm telling you, an ice cream fiend. I consider myself a connoisseur. And, in fact, you know, I have to apologize to Kyle because I didn't have him in mind when I only saw the two cups of ice cream. And yet, that's something that I feel like we bond over when he walks into the studio eating chocolate-covered pretzels. We also talk about some of those ice cream flavors, those nights where we can't put the pint of Ben & Jerry's down. This is something I don't think he would have been able to put down either. So no. Hopefully, we can hook him no, up. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm sitting here, and I was like, oh, I have a couple of spoonfuls and call it a day. No, I'm finishing <laughs> the cup. I'm finishing the cup. I it, got that. It's amazing. By the way, Kyle going to be with you here from 3 to 6 at the Speedway Club at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. I do want to talk a little bit more about the Carolina Panthers. People are feeling a little bit down going into a football Friday, West, and it's because of what we saw last night we were reminded <laughs> frequently as Panthers fans frequently about the trade mm -hmm. that sent DJ Moore to the Chicago Bears because he had a career night he would have had a career night had he not had the last 50-yard touchdown that he did where Forbes makes a jump on it and I don't even know if that was a great throw by Fields by the way it's not that I'm hating it's just man it was just high enough Felt like he threw it scared, which he should have, because mm -hmm. Forbes was making a break on it. Mm -hmm. But how about the concentration of DJ to be able to bring that thing in, and then once Forbes made the jump, nobody in front of DJ, he's able to run it in, even before that catch, had a career night, and then that just made it just ridiculous banana level. I wondered the same thing that you did, because I know Justin's pedigree from high school and the records he set at Elite 11 with accuracy and things like that. And at Ohio State, he was pretty accurate, and I know uh, it's been a mixed bag in Chicago, 
But last night when I saw that last throw to DJ, I was wondering, I said, did he place it there? I felt like he did. Regardless of the fact, he came out and balled out. He's my fantasy football quarterback as well, so I enjoyed all four of those there touchdowns that he threw for uh, last night. But, yeah, man, that's like the girlfriend that uh, moved on from you, and uh, she upgraded. And she's now dating a guy that treats her uh, fantastic. And Well, I can't say fantastic. They are one and four. But uh, last night, though, they it's like <laughs> she got her moment to shine on you, and that's what he did last night. Well, but, okay, if, if we want to roll with this example, which we like to do a lot in sports, radio the, the thing is maybe they're winning the breakup right now yes right, like they can win the breakup but we can still hit the gym get in good shape and then win three years from now when nothing's going right for them playing the long game i like that i, I mean like you that. can play the long game that's what we're having to do if we want to win this relationship here okay yes. this ex relationship with dj but we were reminded quite a bit we were reminded on the broadcast, Al Michaels is telling you how that trade went down. DJ Moore in his postgame interview, they ask him, I know you weren't here last year when the streak of losses started, but what does it mean for the morale in the locker room that it comes to an end? And then he said, well, I didn't win a whole lot from where I came from. Yep. Okay? So when I was back, Maybe a little dig. You know, he didn't say Carolina, but we all know where he came from. Exactly. He said it's not like I was winning a lot there anyway, and so he was happy to get a win as well. It's unfortunate. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. DJ Moore going for a career night. It it shouldn't change your decision to go all the way up to number one overall. And go get your quarterback. Because if you think there's a quarterback that is going to be your franchise guy for the next 10, 15 years, then you got to go get him. you got to have that conviction. And if, if DJ Moore is the thing that separates you from doing that, then you got to give him up and go get your guy. Here is the thing that leaves them a little susceptible to criticism. In fact, honestly, quite a lot susceptible to criticism here. It's the fact that Brian Burns could have been a part of the trade package. You haven't paid him. We all saw this offseason coming where we knew Nick Bosa was going to set the market and that Brian Burns was going to ask for a lot of dough. And you decided not to pay him at the beginning of the season because of how far apart you were. Okay, this could be on the Carolina Panthers. This could be on Brian Burns. But, Wes, I'm just not as surprised to hear Brian asking for $30 million. If you didn't want to pay him that, I just felt like they should have – they should have anticipated him asking for that number, mm -hmm. and then maybe you could keep a pick because we know the premium on edge rushers, especially good ones like Brian Burns is. So maybe Brian Burns is the guy that you send to Chicago. You keep DJ Moore. Maybe you even keep another pick because there were reports that it was Derek Brown, Brian Burns, and DJ Moore that they were asking for. Yes. So this is the thing that leaves them susceptible to criticism. It's not that I wouldn't do it over again, okay? Hindsight, even just four games in, we haven't learned a ton, but... It does leave them susceptible when you're talking about Brian Burns not being here for the long term yet. Yeah, and so I think, too, what the Panthers felt like is that receivers, as many of them uh, come out, that receivers are easier to come by than pass rushers, especially a young, talented one like Brian Burns. Uh, but an article by the Riot Report from 2019, uh, they dropped the statistics that since the 99 draft, there were 46 defensive ends and pass rushers chosen from picks 1 to 16. And they said out of those selections, 23 of those made at least one Pro Bowl selection during their career. So that's a 50% rate when you look at that. Now, obviously, there have been some since then, uh, some that have gone in favor of that theory and some that have gone not against that favor. And so I think that uh, the Panthers – 
I think when they looked at it, they said, hey, we could probably go out and replace this guy in the draft quicker than we could replace Derrick Brown and that we can pro- uh, replace uh, Brian Burns. And so I think that was the thinking there. Obviously, last night did not put that in a good light in hindsight. Yeah, it, No, it didn't. It, you know, look, and it's going to be tough because you can't tune into Thursday night football between what is supposed to be. I mean, that game was made a mockery of. You know, even Shroppy giving us the update. Yeah, hey, everybody's going to be paying attention to this game. Yeah. Turned out that Chicago ended their losing streak. They got a victory. Justin Fields looked good. DJ Moore looked phenomenal. And we heard about Carolina in that trade time and time again. If you look at the way that their skill position group is set up right now, Adam Thielen is performing better than I thought. I know you had him over 1,000 yards. Either way, he's the only guy that is consistently performing in the passing game right now. It, you know, He's the only one that is performing at a above-average level. Do you expect this pace to keep up, though? Like, if we were to reset, right, it, it, you are one that, yeah, was uh, anticipating <laughs> some good play from Adam Thielen coming into this season. Uh-huh. Do you have any reason to believe that that's going to stop with the struggles that we've seen elsewhere in the passing game? Uh, no, I don't, because for me it was all about health with him. I know the age, and we talked about the attrition of older receivers, but when you look at him right now, he's 15th in the NFL in receiving yards. He's got more yards than some of these household names like Jamar Chase, D.K. Metcalf, and George Pickens, who a lot of people thought was going to have a phenomenal year. He's playing okay so far, but uh, Adam Thielen, I just felt like him coming in when you looked at the makeup of the room, this guy was going to be the de facto number one if by default if you want to look at it that way. And so I knew if he stayed healthy playing with a quarterback like Bryce Young that's going to be fairly competent, I knew that he could get him the ball. And when they talked about how you know he could get off on those short and intermediate routes, of course, and now more than ever, I feel like his importance is there because of the breakdowns in coverage. And now that this is a guy that can win quickly and you can find an outlet to get the football to. Now, granted, you may not chew up a lot of yards while doing so, because even though the catches are there for him, the yards, you still leave a little bit to be desired, but you're getting 71 yards per game from this guy, 71.8 to be exact, and so I think that you have to be more than happy with what you're getting from Adam Thielen right now, and I feel like if he's able to be healthy and be on the field, I think his route running and what he brings to the table in his role is more than enough for him to continue to put up solid numbers. The problem is you can be less than happy with everybody around him in the passing game. It hasn't been working out for DJ Chark. I thought he'd have a bigger role in this offense did miss a game uh, at the beginning of the season due to injury had the contest against Seattle where we saw him on a busted coverage be able to score a touchdown but Terrace Marshall Jr as much hope as I had for him to be involved got more involved in this last game needs to hold on to the football but was more involved in this last outing it just hasn't been there consistently for TMJ certainly not Mingo despite him having gone through the concussion protocol and then last one I want to mention before we go to the last segment here How about Hayden Hurst? If you look at what he did against Atlanta, he had five receptions on seven targets, had 40 yards and a touchdown. He has 79 on the season with more than half of his receiving yards coming against Atlanta. Has the same amount of receptions against Atlanta as he does the next three games combined. And you're talking about three targets a contest and that's it. Three receptions against New Orleans, only one against Seattle, only one against Minnesota, thrown to just three times each of those games. I did not expect him to have any kind of monster season. Yes. But 
I certainly thought he would be a little bit more involved than what he's been the last three games. And I think this is kind of a running theme with tight ends in the NFL. You learn that from playing fantasy football. Outside of the elite, elite tight ends who are focal points of their team's offense, you're not going to see tight ends just week to week just being dominant. But you want to see more from him. And yesterday when we were comparing guys to uh, movie characters, uh, cracking me up a little bit, somebody said that he would be the invisible man. Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> so you want to see Hurst. So I feel like that teams might have looked at that first game against Atlanta and said, okay, this is a guy that we feel like Bryce Young could potentially rely on. And I think that he gets some resources dedicated to him to stopping him. And so I think that kind of slows down uh, what he's got going on as well. But you want to see him reemerge because I think that affects the targets as well. I think teams are making sure that they account for him off of the snap. But uh, you want to see him get back into the column sooner or later with some production. All right, yeah, 100%. Hopefully we can see every one of those guys really start to get more involved. I, I guess we'll, we'll do this one, too. I did want to mention Miles Sanders. I mean, is it safe to say that outside of Adam Thielen, every starting skill group player is disappointing? I, I wanted to say starting because Chuba hasn't. Chuba just continues to churn out tough yards. Mm -hmm. I, you know, big shout out. Like, I didn't even have as much hope that he could do it again this season like he did last half. But I always did want to give him credit. But here he is again, Wes, just running hard between the tackles, picking up blitzes. Did so at not great against Minnesota, to be fair, but was good at picking up those tough yards against Minnesota. Mingo, not off to a start I think that you wanted. TMJ, not off to the start that I think you wanted. Same thing with Hayden Hurst outside of Atlanta. Same thing with DJ Chark outside of Seattle. Everyone has a caveat with them except for Thielen, who has just been constantly producing. And when you talk about Bryce Young throwing to a bunch of guys that aren't living up to even what your average expectation was, it's going to be tough for a number one overall quarterback. And Miles Sanders, the other guy that I wanted to bring into this, after having the biggest running back contract in this offseason, Man, he's been underperforming, too. Certainly. And then you look at DJ Chark as well. Since he's come back, he goes four catches for 86 yards against Seattle, but did virtually nothing against Minnesota. Two for 28. I mean, the average is healthy, but you want to see a lot more from <laughs> we him. We definitely need more. No yeah, doubt. you've been you've been disappointed with what you're getting right now. Like you said, Adam Thielen's the only guy. Uh, Miles Sanders came here. He talked a big game when he got here. And there were a lot of people, uh, you know, skeptical of this. I, I can't point to many during the offseason that did laud uh, this preseason pickup because I think a lot of people felt like he was a product of his environment up there in Philly. Yeah, and then he said this offensive line was oh, as boy. good as what, what was it? What was the quote? He said they were as good as the Philadelphia. Is that what he said? Line. Okay, yeah. I know it was either the best offensive line he's played with, or they were as good. Yeah, as he Philly. said they were just as good as Philly. As much as I like the offensive line, that that's one of the best units we've seen in like what the last ten years. Last, it's it's amazing what they have up there. So it's it's been tough. We'll see what they can do against Detroit, whose defense has improved. It's part of the reason that they're 3-1 right now, and their defense has improved. Jared Goff's playing well. I mean, they're running the football have a well. They're full lunch yep. ahead of them with those guys. No doubt balanced about it. Balanced breakfast, as I like to say. All right. Uh, I don't know if we've had a balanced breakfast, per se. But, uh, no, we have not. But it's been a good one. <laughs> we've been eating apps. It's apps a, and ice cream for lunch. We had Southwest egg rolls at the NASCAR Speedway Club. I had a few wings and then uh, the, the, the fried pickles and then um, the ice cream. Ice cream. We also got a four-pack of Royal Rumble 
beer pro, uh, provided to us by Cabarrus Brewing. So we appreciate all of the hookup here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Again, get you set for the Bank of America Roval 400 this weekend. We have one more segment before we hand it off to Kyle Bailey. It's coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Folks, here we are. We're closing this thing down on the Weston Walker Show from the Speedway Club Restaurant at Charlotte Motor Speedway overlooking the beautiful Roval where all the action will be going down this weekend. And, uh, yeah, Walker Mail, we've had a lot of sponsors on the show today. So uh, why don't you let the people know NASCAR style uh, some of the sponsors and what's been cooking around here. Oh, man, we're doing it again. All right, well, I just want to thank my sponsors here real quickly today. Rocky Roval Ice Cream, courtesy of Ellie Mae's Dang Good Ice Cream and Davidson new creamy creation made with cheesecake ice cream, Oreo crumbles, cookie mm. dough, and natural, natural blue food coloring so your mouth will not turn blue. Also want to give a big shout out to the Roval Rumble Beer, courtesy of Cabarrus Brewing, the craft beer, a Hell's style German wheat available all weekend long, not only on draft at Cabarrus, but also on property via cans. You can get tickets to the Roval 400, by the way, this weekend at www.charlottemotorspeedway.com. All you have to do is spend $40 if you are an adult and if you're paying for your kids. Kids tickets, just $10 on Sunday. A little bit later on tonight, too, did want to tell you we do have more events going on here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. From 5 to 7 p.m., it's the JGR Fan Fest. Driver appearances and autograph sessions with defending Bank of America Roval 400 winner Christopher Bell, Ty Gibbs, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Truex Jr., along with Xfinity Series drivers John Hunter Nemechek and Sammy Smith. The first 200 fans to pick up a wristband from the information tent that was happening at 8 a.m. Maybe they're still there. I don't know. But that's happening at Gate 4. You can get access to an exclusive autograph session with all participating drivers. Man, what a fun day it's been here at the Speedway Club, getting everybody ready for the Rebel 400. Oh, no doubt. It's been a blast. Just the view that we've had, looking down there, looking out, just seeing the landscape. You can see so far off into the distance for one, from where we are sitting. Uh, the Roval track, like I said, you're seeing the crews bringing around the cars. Uh, you know, I probably should be down there, man. We talked about the other day how I won the pit challenge as the Jack Man. You know what I'm saying? So, which, which, but I'm honestly, here with you. I thought there was an opportunity for you. I yeah. thought they were going to offer you one. You said yeah. that because yeah, I, I thought maybe that was coming. And, and I think most people know this, but for those that don't know, a lot of pit crews will have former football players on staff. I'm pretty sure. App State quarterback Richie Williams is a part of a pit crew, if I'm not mistaken. One of my ex-running backs at Wake Forest, uh, my man Kevin Harris is down there as well as a running back, uh, as a as a pit crew member, I should say. And, and this is, honestly, 
this is going to sound like an insult. I don't mean it. If you already are playing at that level, you're very good. But I feel like, Wes, you might have been too good. You might have been too good at football to maybe. go on the pit crew. Maybe so. Maybe maybe, so. maybe I'm tripping on that. I don't mean to. <laughs> but if you were playing at Florida, then maybe you were too good to go on a pit crew. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's some good athletes down there on the pit crew. There I saw are. somebody, a matter of fact, that didn't get drafted. Oh, I think uh, I think Dax Hollyfield is on a yes. pit crew. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Dax, Hollyfield, Dax, Dax, Dax Hollyfield. Hollyfield that played at Virginia Tech and Shelby High School. Man, he was a pretty good linebacker. I thought he would have got a sniff at the league for a while, but I think he just said, hey, man, I'm just going to go over here and, and do this, so I, I did see that. Smokey, do we have any other one? Oh, my bad. Go yeah, ahead, well, he's Spire. actually working for uh, Ty Dillon, Spy, Spire Motorsports, uh, the 77 car. That's who Dax Hollifield's working for, but no, unfortunately, Wes, I think you came, you were ahead of your time. Okay. Because the early 2000s, I don't know how many, you know, former college athletes mm-hmm. were, that was more of a, a situation that started coming to fruition in the late 2000s. Yeah, yeah. So, unfortunately, you were just too ahead of your time, man. Yeah, man, I missed my call. Man. Oh, man, I cannot, like, look, <laughs> obviously, I wouldn't have been able to pay attention to it, because odds are I wouldn't have known you as well as I do now. Right. But I do like the image of Wes running on out there, being the jack man, and then running back out for your boy, Kyle. Bush in the M&M car, that would have been hilarious to see you a part of the pit crew. It would have been off the chain, like I said. And I mean, people underestimate the job of those pit crews, man. They oh, yeah. make or break the race for a lot of those guys. I would have tried to make sure I was on my P's and Q's. And definitely, I've seen some pit crew accidents, man, doing as many races oh. as I did. Some of those guys getting hit from time to time. I've talked to a couple. Yeah. And, and they no, they tell you, it's it's you know, keep your head on a swivel You time. better be ready to go, man, because if you are caught lacking, sometimes even if you aren't caught lacking, a stuff can catch on fire you got a little gas down on the on the ground in the pit man it, it's it's a dangerous job you man. will get clocked as the <laughs> kids say yes you will get clocked no doubt about it um but i would have loved to have seen you be the jack man or something like that Smokey, i did want to go back to you because it's been the theme of the show right we've been going with the best nascar paint schemes of all time if i had to dwindle it down to maybe your top three or so what are the best paint schemes that come to mind well i know a lot of people have used the STP and the good wrench cars uh, over time. So, I, honestly, people kind of forget how great the Wrangler car was for Dale Earnhardt as well. Mm. That Wrangler scheme is unmatched, and they just happened to top it with the good wrench scheme. Everyone's been mentioning the uh, Jeff Gordon, you know, uh, Rainbow Warriors car. It's so good. He, he's had a lot of good ones. <sighs> I'm trying to think. A lot of the good ones have been mentioned and brought up. Um, uh, you thought Ernie Irvin's was underrated. Uh, Ernie Irvin's Kodak car. Well, Kodak and De Havilland. De Havilland 28 car is a timeless one. Simple. Both of them. Both of the Davy Allison 28 cars, specifically the white one, is tremendous. And here's an underrated one that doesn't get mentioned enough, and it unfortunately has not been a throwback car at Darlington yet. Ted Musgrave's mid-90s Family Channel Ford Thunderbird is a tremendous, beautiful car. Mm. It's underrated. Go look it up if you haven't. Uh, it is one of the best cars and paint schemes I've ever seen. And unfortunately, I think due to the fact that it's still a TV channel somewhat, uh, now freeform, that uh, they can't use the family channel as a throwback. But that, it, it's a beautiful car. Oh, is it? So it looks a little Looney Tune style, if I have it correctly. Like you got the red and white with the blue hood. Is that correct? Yeah, red, white, and blue with the family channel. Yeah. 
beautiful. It is beautiful. No, you're you're you ain't lying. I like that one quite a bit. Here's the other thing too. A am I wrong for saying that a lot of the colors right now, like currently in NASCAR, the paint schemes just don't live up to what they were back in like the of course the nineties and even in the two thousands? Am I wrong about uh, that? yeah, I would say so. I, I think there's been a lot of really cool color schemes when you look at especially stuff Bubba Wallace with the Jordan brand, Roush what they've Boy. done with those cars. Like I said, Kyle Bush always delivers. Yeah, the uh, M&M's cars. Yeah, anytime there's a big movie that comes out, especially superhero movies, which that was also on the top 50 list. There were multiple. I think I saw a couple of Spider-Man, some Superman, some Batman on there. So you still get some really great uh, color schemes with these cars now. Here's the thing, though. I think I know where you're coming from. Back in the day, pretty much the sponsorship took up the whole entire season. And when there was a night race, that's when you get the special paint schemes. Now, uh -huh. it's very rare that one sponsor takes up the whole season on yeah. the car. That's so that's, true. I think, what your the, the brand awareness is not as much because one sponsor will take up eight races, another one will take two races, and so on and so forth. So I think that's what's kind of throwing you off. Plus, they're not paint schemes anymore. They're technically wraps right. that they put okay. onto the car. So I think that maybe hurts a little bit, but there's still a lot of good paint schemes. I think Wes was right in mentioning uh, 2311. They've had a lot of good paint schemes, but Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing They've had some top-notch paint schemes as well over the last two years. Yeah, man. What a great dismount with Smoke helping us out. I mean, Break you already knew that he was going to come through. Uh, He's like, I used to work with a guy named Tom Parkman at Fox, man, and I used to call him the racing almanac nope. because he just knew all types of stuff. I would love to see him and Smoke just go at it in a NASCAR trivia or nostalgia type of competition, man, because Smoke is on top of it, and <laughs> just like my man Tom Parkman used to be. All right, I already know who I got my money on. That's the man back at the Planet Kia Studios. Big shout to Shroppy helping us out the first couple hours and Smoke helping us out the last hour. You can continue to hear him on the Kyle Bailey Show. Coming up next, live from the Charlotte Motor Speedway, getting you ready for the Bank of America Roval 400. He takes over here at the Speedway Club. Big thanks to you guys. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday with the Wesson Walker Show. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WF. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.